You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Steve Sullivan on a breakaway. Stopped by Luongo. The chuck goes to the front of the net. Twisting and turning. McDonald's there has not been any negotiation at this point, and we're hoping to get to that at some point. No, 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 no. Christ, hope, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was, but I hope we don't do that again for the next 10 years. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I did mention we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio. Here's Jason Bruff to tell you more about Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We have a lot of guests on the show today. A lot of guests. And they just get better and better and better and better throughout the morning. And that's not to, you know, take away from any of the early guests. 6.30, Nick Shook's going to join us from NFL.com. We love Nick. He's obviously the least good guest. He's an amazing guest. It's hard to get a better guest at 6.30 in the morning, but Nick Shook's going to join us at 6.30. Power ranking number five, Nick Shook. We're going to talk to him about a very horrible football game tonight. Actually, we're not going to talk to him about that game at all. Pop question for you. Do you know who's going to start at quarterback for the Chargers tonight? Uh, No idea. His name is Easton Stick. It's no got way. a real, yes. Really? Yes. Easton stick? Easton stick. Not oh, to be good. confused with the synergy stick. Mm. That's the Easton stick, right? Easton stick is the quarterback for the Chargers. Tonight. In all seriousness, I want to ask um, I want to ask Nick uh, about the Belichick story in New England. What's going on there? Yep. We can talk to him about that at 637 o'clock. Uh, George Richards from Florida Hockey. Now, great guest. Amazing guest. We'll look ahead uh, to tonight's game. Canucks, Panthers, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. George Richards from the Panthers side of thing. 730, Jason. And the first of two former NHLers, former Olympians that are going to be on the show. Bobby Ryan is going to join us uh, at 7.30. He's on the Coming In Hot podcast. Stop me if you can actually believe this or not, but an ex-NHL player has a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we should ask Bobby about that. We should uh, just ask him about... Um, this trend of ex-players having podcasts and what they think the fans want to hear. We should actually just like have like shop talk with them. Sure. Like, what are you, what are you providing? Yeah. Um, that you're the competition. Yeah. You're, you're the trying competition. to take right off my table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem like you have enough money. Yeah, exactly. Right. Can, um, I, can I have some money? <laughs> so in this list of guests that just keeps getting better and better and better, it takes a dip at eight o'clock because Thomas Drance is going to join us from the athletic and Canucks talk, but then it gets better. and this is the peak of the show. Roberto Luongo is going to join us. The man of the day, the man of the hour. Canucks legend, laddie. Canucks legend. Roberto Luongo is going to join us. Ahead of tonight's game where you will go into the ring of honor. uh, Ahead of the game against the Florida Panthers. We are also giving away WWE Friday Night Smackdown tickets today. Also known as Fright Night, but Friday Night Smackdown tickets. Uh, January 5th, Rogers Arena. You had a good idea, and I think we're going to run with it. What we learns, all show. We'll be taking them in. We'll be reading them on the air when we get a chance because we got a lot of guests. 
And the winner we're going to announce right after the Luongo hit. So if you want to go see SmackDown on January 5th, send to what we learned in. Hashtag it WWL. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. I love this text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Would you rather discuss Luongo going into the Ring of Honor instead of having his jersey retired or discuss the political situation in the Middle East? (sighs) Probably the latter, to be perfectly honest with you. And no... We will not be asking Luongo about that. Luongo is going to do a press availability later in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to do a scrum, so maybe one of those guys is going to ask him. We are not. We are going to ask him about his fascinating career in Vancouver. He is one of the most, if not the most, fascinating athletes that I've ever covered or been a fan of in Vancouver. And there is so much more to get into than just that sports radio debate that can be had on other shows. Hear, hear, Jason. Hear, hear. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Yesterday, in advance of a very big midweek game, you don't get bigger Thursday night games than the Florida Panthers, (laughs) who are off to a great start and went to the Stanley Cup last year. You've got this huge ceremony with Roberto Luongo going into the Ring of Honor. The Canucks did practice yesterday. What? They didn't get a day off? Why thought rest is a weapon? So many days off with this team. No, they decided to go back to work. Those highly paid millionaires. They're going to be exhausted today. I know. We'll, We'll see what happens tonight. Anyway, doesn't sound like there's going to be any changes to the lineup, despite the fact that Pew Suter is now back skating with some regularity. And um, the only real big takeaway, I guess, you've got it in the notes here. Sounds like Nikita Zadorov got some one-on-one time with a pair of pretty good former defensemen themselves. Sergey Gonchar and Adam Foote as he tries to get up to speed with what the Canucks are doing systems-wise. Yeah, credit to uh, J-Pat, uh, who wrote about that in Canucks Army. And uh, Zadorov said afterwards that I've still got some things to learn about this team and the systems here. I still feel like I, I don't have um, a good... But like people, what, what do you think about Zadorov? He's, he's been fine. But again, I don't yet... I'm not confident in knowing his game well enough. And I think that takes like 20 to 30 games to really understand what a player is and what he can do. And I do think that with all the talk and learning that the Canucks have done about structure and systems and habits, there's probably a pretty uh, steep learning curve for Zadorov to come in and play quite a big role in the defensive side of things for the Canucks. Right. Sorry, right. And with regards to Suter, he will draw in eventually and... It will be nice to I, – I think a lot of people in the brief like snap shot that he gave us of his game, I think a lot of people were enamored with what he brought to the table and what he could provide them in terms of roster flexibility going down the middle and what have you, but it won't be tonight as they take on the Florida Panthers. The Panthers, of course, come into tonight – and, you know, I was going through the notes last night, and I was going doing the research, and, I, you know, Panthers got off to a good start. They're 17-9-2. and two. Mm-hmm. They're second in their division. I think a lot of people thought that they'd take a step back, myself included, because they were going to start the season with so many injuries. 
But they've kind of been able to withstand that. So Ekblad and Montour Not were just out. kind of. They're a good team. So they were able to withstand the losses of Ekblad and Montour, who really didn't return until mid-November. Also, not really getting a ton out of Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Like, he's only got five goals in 28 games. So I'm looking at this, and I'm like, how the hell are they 17-9? They're Sam Reinhardt's team now. They are Sam Reinhardt's team. So, yeah. um, you the know, Panthers are 17-9-2, and... Two, and- Unfortunately for the Canucks, they're going to be extra motivated after losing 4 nothing to Seattle on Tuesday. Yeah. That snapped an eight-game losing streak for the Kraken. And as Mike mentioned, this is going to be a different team than the one the Canucks beat earlier in the season. Yeah. Uh, Montour and Ekblad are back now, pushing OEL and Forsling back down to playing more reasonable minutes. A guy like Forsling and, to, to a lesser extent, OEL are still going to play significant minutes, but those guys were playing like 24, 25 minutes a yep. night for this team while Montour and Ekblad recovered, but it's now back to that defense, or at least most of the defense that helped the Florida Panthers all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But the Matthew Kachuk thing is a little bit interesting Mm -hmm. from their perspective because just remember the role he played on the Panthers' run to the Stanley Cup final. Like He seemed to score a big goal in every game on the way there, and it's just a slow start. It's not the end of the world, but... 20 points in 28 games. This is a guy that Panthers fans have become used to getting 100 points in a season. Yeah, like the production isn't awful. You mentioned 20 points in 28 games. Five goals in 28 games is crazy. That's really low for a guy that you expect to hit 40 every season. But they got Sam Reinhart. Like, who cares? Sam Reinhart is having an unreal year. I don't know how many people have actually... I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Mm -hmm. I knew he was in top 10 in scoring because he'd go and check and his name would always pop. And him and Barkoff have been really good for Florida. But he's on pace for 50 goals and over 100 points. And uh, George Richards, who we're going to have on the show at 7.30, actually wrote about this sort of homecoming swing that they're going through, obviously, a Vancouver native. So uh, Reinhart's going to be one to watch tonight. I think it's going to be a really interesting game because the Panthers have, in my mind, overachieved, and there's the whole backdrop of the Luongo thing as well. But let's face it, the story tonight uh, is going to be Roberto Luongo, um, and then we'll get into the game, and then we'll be interested in the game, but Mm -hmm. leading up to it, uh, now I do not want to have the debate about Ring of Honor versus Jersey Retired. It's not like we're too good for it, because we've had the debate plenty of times on the show, and we've engaged in it, and if people want to text in and ask questions about it, maybe we'll allow it, but I actually think there's a more interesting question to discuss, and I kind of hinted at it earlier. Was the, was Luongo, or is Luongo, the most interesting Vancouver athlete ever? Note, I didn't say the best. I'm just talking about the most interesting Vancouver athlete ever. Did he provide sports fans and sports radio guys like us with the most content of any athlete who's ever come through Vancouver? For me, the answer is yes, because you have it all with him. You've got the fact that he was an unbelievable goalie. First ballot Hall of Famer, so he had plenty of highs in his career, including winning Olympic gold in 2010 in Vancouver. But he also, and I think this is what made him more interesting, he also had a share of lows. And not just kind of lows, they were really low moments, which in a way made as he learned to deal with the failure. Um, IMAC wrote a great great piece on Luongo, and he spoke to a bunch of his uh, former teammates. And I think IMAC summed it up really well here. 
He said, he wrote, at his most dominant, Luongo was admired but not adored in Vancouver. He was regarded by some as a diva who called his own shots and kept a shield between himself and reporters and fans. But in despair, after he was dislodged as starter and asked for a trade, Luongo showed himself to be as vulnerable and fallible as the rest of us. During a comical and painful two-year trade mission, the goalie for Montreal displayed humility and self-deprecating humor. He became relatable and loved. Now, if you just think that that's some sports columnist take on it, and that's his narrative, here's what Luongo had to say, and this is a story in in the Vancouver province quite recently, I think it was written when he was inducted or named that he was going to be in into the ring of honor. Luongo said, obviously... There are always regrets. I'm grateful for my time in Vancouver. And with the mental side, I was able to become a better person by not always taking things so personally and making sure I allowed things to roll off my back. And all that was because of my time there. And I wouldn't want to change that. With the failures, you learn and you grow up. That's what happened toward the end of my stint with the Canucks. It's not on anybody else but me. And unfortunately, that's something I have to live with. Is that not a fascinating start to finish talking about his time in Vancouver? Um, isn't that a fascinating timeline? Yeah. I mean, the the thing with Luongo's at the end of his tenure here as a player is that it was so acrimonious and weird. And it, like some people, oh, it was befitting of a guy that was filled with drama throughout his time in Vancouver. But you always think that when an athlete goes out, now he's being honored in this particular way, that there's a nice, some sort of nice finish or nice ending, but there really isn't. It's almost as if his entire career was peaks and valleys, Mm -hmm. and you never really got a true sense of uh, a clear and like focused picture about what Luongo was. Like It's very complex, and it's very layered, and it's very complicated, and... I guess that's befitting of the player, but it doesn't make for a nice, neat, syrupy narrative. Like, even tonight... Even tonight, there's controversy. We're intentionally not talking about the biggest controversy (laughs) about this whole thing. (laughs) And that's too bad, because I think, uh, at his core, and I'm talking, like, personality-wise and everything, Luongo was probably a lot of a more relatable, a lot cooler, and a lot better dude than a lot of people really ever understood. Mm -hmm. I think... Growing up being a phenom and then being as highly touted as he was, that played into a shift in his personality. This is the public persona that he put forth. And then I think some of it was safeguarding against criticisms and not wanting to be the vulnerable, fallible person that iMac was writing about. Because part of it as a goalie is you got to have like the brain yeah. of it, the mind of it, the memory of a goldfish. You have to be, but he never had sort that. of impenetrable. He, he never had. He that. tried. He, he never he, had. He it tried that. to put it on. Was the thing, and it didn't work. And then when he kind of became himself, like mm-hmm. iMac was saying, suddenly, suddenly, it's funny, Lou, and it's Twitter handle, self-deprecating, Lou, and it's relatable, Lou. Lou right? Well, it's completely different. Like when then the early perceptions, and maybe the perceptions were wrong, and maybe that was. Luongo just not showing the media and the fans, probably mostly the media, who he really is. And the sad, the sad part was, was that. that but he came across, end, he came across as um, standoffish, yeah. which is bizarre, right? And remember, I always say this: like 
around the 2011 Stanley Cup final, there would be the debate of like, who would you want to go have a beer with, Luongo or Tim Thomas? And people would be like, oh, Tim Thomas, he seems just like a normal guy, a blue collar guy, like yep. the kind of guy. And, you know, and meanwhile, behind the scenes, you, you find out that he wasn't even the most popular guy in the in the Bruins dressing room. That's one way uh, of putting it. And yeah. And then and, and Luongo eventually became maybe like of all the players that you'd want to hang out in the NHL, he might have been number one. So the, I, I, so the sad thing is that at the end, at, at later stages of his career, when he finally was more open and forthright than vulnerable, is when he got benched for a, a big game in Vancouver, and then ultimately, you know, he, there was a fracture in the relationship, mm-hmm. and he he left. Right now, I'm not saying I think one his Twitter, caused the other. I, I think his Twitter account was a was a game changer. Yeah, but like I'm not saying one caused the other, but it's almost like if you look back on it, you're like, and finally, Roberto Luongo was able to come to peace with himself and the fans in Vancouver, <laughs> and he was vulnerable and open. And then he got benched and eventually had to be traded away from the franchise, <laughs> and he went back to Florida. Like that's and that's how it ended. Yeah, well, the organization was uh, was was a total mess. And uh, I was listening to an interview with Mike Gellis. He was on with uh, Matt and Blake. And it was actually a really good interview. And he was saying that, you know, Gillis was not happy with that decision. But there was no alignment at that time between management and the coaching staff. Like, Torts did what he wanted to do. And, you know, there was, you know, Gillis and AV had that close relationship. And then, you know, I don't think Torts was uh, Gillis's number one choice for head coach there. But at the time, Gillis had lost a lot of power within that organization for whatever reason. We won't get into that. And then when, you know, he he was sitting there just going like Gillis was saying in this interview, he's like, I couldn't believe that decision was made, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I didn't agree with it. The organization was on top of having to deal with the Luongo story, was a mess psychologically because of the loss to the Boston Bruins. And people will always say, yeah, but they won the President's Cup or the President's Trophy the the next year. I was like, yeah, they weren't the same team. They They, they still weren't. They were were psychologically done. Um, So anyway, I I, I go into this because I talk about uh, Luongo as a person because... I find that stuff way more interesting than, you know, people are going to bring up a lot of people like go to his statistical profile and see where he where he stacks up against the greats. And they'll make that argument, um, you know, oftentimes to say, like, his number should be retired or that's why he's in the Hall of Fame or, or whatever. I I just think his statistical profile, as impressive as it is. Mm hmm is like the least interesting thing about his time in Vancouver. Right. When you right? so the, the like, original I'm just question, like, yeah, he won a lot of games, he was a really good goalie, but like there's so much more to the story than that. Well the original question for you was is Luongo the most interesting athlete to ever play in Vancouver? And like I think a uh, testament to that is that we still haven't brought up so many other fascinating parts of his story here. Remember when he was named captain? Remember when he told everyone? I hate that the his underselling contracts? of the stats, though. I feel like that's a pretty major part. Like he, but we're not. It, really, it wasn't just okay, the go. accumulating. I know you to do not this, underselling. So. Well, no, hold on. It wasn't just it wasn't just the like, accumulation of wins and saves. He was consistently mm-hmm. one of the top save percentage goaltenders in the league, year in year out for 15 years. But that's what made that's his but, unheard but, of. Laddie, were you in Vancouver then? I was not in Vancouver. Okay, so so you, it's it's hard. For you to get it, because despite those stats, there was still a feeling, and it was not a unreasonable feeling, 
that in big games, you were nervous when he was in there. Okay. And it started in the Chicago series and then the next Chicago series and then the Chicago series after that. And then there were some really, really bad games in the Boston series in the Stanley Cup final, even in 2010, when he was the goalie for <laughs> Canada, the Olympics. Uh, I, I guess I'm not speaking for anyone or I'm not speaking for everyone, but I'm speaking for myself and I know I'm speaking for a lot of people because I always felt like he felt the highs and the lows and he didn't have that uh, goldfish memory. He, you know, like he was in it and he was a thinker. He wasn't one of those athletes that was just like, whatever, I just go out and play the game, right? I feel like there there was maybe, and then maybe this was some projection on our part, but when he was in there in big games, we didn't always feel comfortable. I, I understand that sense that people had, and I, I hear that from every Canucks fan, but who did you have confidence that in, in any Canuck Nothing. that we they could no get it done in the big any, moment? No yeah. You cheer for a team that's never done it yeah, exactly. in the big moment. So and why I, is that? that was part of why it. is that a slight against no, just no, 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 Luongo? No, no, no. Well, because it, no, no, it, it wasn't just that. It was Luongo himself. We saw we saw him be ultra confident at times, but then think, when things would start going against him. They would snowball, and it's why I've always argued, and I'll go back to it. Like Av, you got to pull him out of, of Game Three in Boston. But, but when, as opposed you know, to the like, Canuck who stepped up in the big moment and won the big game, well, that's never happened, Jason. Well, that's has, never happened. It has. Kirk no, McLean did it. The Canucks have never won the cup, and the, Luongo got them to Game Seven, the closest you can get to winning the cup. Okay. Without actually winning it. All right. Well, agree to disagree on that. But um, let right? me let me there's continue. A reason, there's a reason why Kirk McLean. Some people hold Kirk McLean at the same level or even higher than Luongo is and, because. Let me talk. Because his career numbers, while significantly lower and not even Hall of Fame worthy, when he was in during that '94 run, he time and time again came up with big saves that he shouldn't have. Still made. didn't get it done though. Why he do you have like, confidence? In he lost three two in the final in Game Seven. Right, he didn't get. He didn't. His team scored a goal. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but the thing with the stats for me is the fact that Luongo had to reinvent himself multiple times throughout mm-hmm. his career. That's not something most goalies can do. Yeah, and he is so committed to the craft of goaltending. He played his prime years in Vancouver. Like I just, to me, it's just a baffling decision. Still. To this day, yeah, even, Laddie, even even with your feelings, I understand how how Canucks fans. It's not my feelings, that. Laddie. I watched multiple games where he sunk to serious lows on the ice, right? And and I'm not again. I'm I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just trying to say like that's what makes him so interesting. That's why we have these conversations about him. He was a gift for sports media and for sports fans to debate because some people would just go straight with the the overall stats and the other people would be like, and that would be me, I'd be like, yeah, but how do you, like, and this is a little touchy-feely, be like, how do you feel when he's in there for big games? Do you feel 100%? So, do you they, feel the same way you would about, you know, any of the other Hall of Fame goalies that are in there? Well, we weren't going to relitigate the entirety of Luongo's nine <laughs> years in Vancouver, but we're doing it now. And yeah, I, but, yeah, it's the start of the show. We're not yeah. going like, to do this. Like, like Laddie, I, 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 it feels like I'm saying you never played the game, but, like, you, you never played the game in Vancouver. When you were here, you weren't part of it. But isn't right? it interesting from an outside perspective that somebody— Yes, very interesting from yeah. an outside perspective that just, you can't understand why it was, but you weren't living the day-to-day. I agree with both of you, actually, because I, I be, being here, 
at the, that time, well, living here my whole life, I mean, yeah, R- R- Luongo would get in his own head at times, and and you were nervous sometimes when he played. Mm-hmm. He looked he looked nervous when you were you yeah. were watching him, yes. right? You're like, yes. oh my god, not always, but there yeah. are times. No, where- but when he was confident, you were like, he's oh, not going to let a puck in. Correct. With that said, eight years in Vancouver. Hockey Hall of Fame goalie. At the end of the day, I would still retire his jersey because of, because of his accolades. Right. Regardless of what happened in Vancouver, he's still in the Hall of Fame. He had eight more or less great years here, outside of a few blemishes that you could put on the whole team, not just him. Right. I, but I mean, again, not to relitigate where his uh, jersey and or number are going. This all started, I'm going to put this in perspective. This all started with Bruff asking the question, is he the most interesting athlete to ever play in Vancouver? You guys are having... I'd say he is. Uh, yeah, well, because you guys... It's, I mean, it has to be, right? Has to be. He has most fascinating. Played, he has oh, totally. damn near close to a decade, and there's still a very passionate debate going on mm-hmm. between two individuals. Not me, but two individuals in this room who are, like, very, very much engaged in this, and it's not put on for show. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't mention this enough, is that prior to him arriving, goaltending in Vancouver, all due respect to Kirk McLean, was a sore spot. It was a graveyard. It was literally called the goalie graveyard. Luongo, now, here's the thing. Luongo didn't come in on the heels of Kirk McLean. Luongo came in on the heels of Dan Cluche, and Luongo came in on the heels of the back-breaking center ice goal in the playoffs from the Nicklet. That was the one that stood out. Now, there were other goalies that played, Alex Ald and Johan Hedberg and everyone else, but it was... Do you think Johan Hedberg was the second most interesting athlete to ever come through I, Vancouver? I, I, I couldn't ever forget him until literally a moment ago when I was like, did Johan Hedberg play here? But now remember, they when they made the trade, I remember being out at, I think it was a Cactus Club in Coquitlam, and it popped on the screen, and there was a rejoicing that they had finally done what the Canucks had never done before. You know how we always say the Canucks had never had a top flight, bonafide, one D, like they never had the great defenseman. Yeah. Well, prior to Luongo, they had never had the great goalie. They had yeah. never gone out and acquired one. He was considered the best young goalie, the best franchise goalie in the NHL. And this was way back when you would, again, do things, crazy things like slap a captaincy on the guy because he meant that much to your team. But he, he was he, it. And he was the team early on. And like then he, he showed was up. The team. And then he showed up and he delivered, which was crazy. Yeah. He should have won the Vesna in 06, 07. He played like what? 76 games in a season or and whatever had, like, it was. First line Taylor Pyatt. Oh, like that's the kind was of team that the he was Trent was the there. Broder one? Broder. Yes. Yeah. Because like, Broder uh, had a bunch taken from him during the Hashik years. Yeah, that was the start to his Vancouver career. Yeah. So when we it's t- like refs with makeup calls, but it's like NHL makeup trophies. When we talk about trajectories, he came and then instantly delivered. So I think part of why his tenure here was so rocky was everyone just assumed that it was going to be, he was going to be like what Broder was in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We were just going to lean on him and we we're going to win a bunch of Stanley Cups because we had the best goalie in the NHL. And then the, the club took it a step further. They're like, this guy is so important to our mm-hmm. team that we're going to take the unprecedented step of making him the captain. And that was the first gaffe in the entire thing, I think, because then all of a sudden, in that interview, Gillis was like, "That was Av's idea, right?" Like, was it me? Was it me? I had nothing to do with that one. And then all of a sudden, it got rocky. And that's why, again, to go back to Bruff's original point, that's when it started to get really interesting. And then we had five or six more, seven more years of really, really interesting Luongo stuff, including tonight, where he will be inducted into the Ring of Honor at Rogers Arena. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Steve Sullivan on a breakaway. Stopped by 
front of the net, twisting and turning. McDonald's shot, great save, Luongo! Another one on Andy McDonald. Kopitar knocked down a pass, takes the shot, changeup just missed. Simmons after the puck, Smith shoots, great save, Luongo! 8.30 on a Thursday. You got the Ryan Smith save in there. Good. That was a good one. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour three of the program. Roberto Luongo is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. To the phone lines we go. Doesn't really need an introduction. I was going to come up with something big and flowery. It's Roberto Luongo. He is here now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Roberto. How are you? Good morning, guys. How's it going? Uh, we are well. One, thank you for taking the time to do this today. I know it's a busy day for you. Congrats on what's to follow. Uh, speaking of what's to follow, Rogers Arena. Roberto, what does tonight mean for you? Uh, it's an unbelievable honor. I think, uh, this past week, just looking at all the videos and messages and all that kind of stuff really, uh, brought me down memory lane. Uh, it's been emotional. Uh, I'm really excited for tonight and, uh, just to get to live, uh, all those moments with everybody here and, um, just looking forward to a great evening. This might, uh, this question might require you to, to brag a bit, but when a kid <laughs> comes to Rogers arena, and looks up at your name in the Ring of Honor, and the kid asks his mom or dad about Roberto Luongo, what would you like that answer to be? Uh, just the guy that went out there every night, played hard and uh, competed, and uh, loved the game of hockey. I think, uh, um, you know, it was, it was in my blood since I was a little kid, and every time I went on the ice, I wanted to be the best at it. And uh, that, that's where the, the fire came from for me. What do you think gave you your competitiveness? Because I read IMAX's uh, article on you and uh, all your former teammates were just talking about how ultra-competitive you were, both obviously in the games, but yeah. at practice and even playing cards on the plane. Well, I mean, I think there's a few factors. I think it starts from my childhood. You know, I had two younger brothers, so we were three boys in the house. You know, always uh, playing and playing hockey, playing games, whatever it was. You know, we always wanted to be the, beat each other up not physically but in those games but uh um i guess that's where it kind of stuff you know my both my parents kind of played sports a little bit uh you know nothing professional but uh it was it was in their nature so uh just growing up uh, for me it was uh it was all about uh you know being the best at what i did and whether it was against my brothers my neighbors my friends it didn't matter i always wanted to be the best how do you get your competitive fix now I just do go after my kids, so it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto, does your time in Vancouver ever seem like a blur? Like so much happened, you can't really keep track of all of it all, and you're like, wait, what year was that that happened? And it just like it was just a constant. I mean, for us in the media, you might call it a soap opera, but you lived yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I feel like you know, obviously, I really remember my first year really well. And then I guess from my second year on to uh, about the Olympics, the Winter uh, Vancouver Olympics, that those those years are kind of a blur. I feel like they all kind of blend in together. And then afterwards, I mean, every year was kind of uh, unique on its own. So uh, you know, I, I'd say the middle part of it was kind of a little bit of a of a blur. But uh, afterwards, a lot of a lot of stuff happened, and 
I mean, I can remember, you know, vividly most of those memories. Do you think you changed as a person during your time as a Canuck, or was that a false perception that maybe we held from the outside? No, that's a thousand percent right. Um, changed a lot. I think uh, just coming in uh, from, uh, you know, just 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 being a reserved guy, uh, growing up as a kid and, and playing in Florida for a few years, and then you know arriving here, I, I don't think I was quite ready for 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 it to be honest with you. And it took a while. It took a while for me to understand a lot of things. Um, and I think you know by the time I left, I was a different person and a better person. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that. You know, even though uh, it wasn't always you know easy for me uh, but I think I learned a lot I grew a lot as a person I think that's the one of the most important things that uh, that I'll remember from my time here is, is the person that I am today I uh, wouldn't be that person without that I've been here all those years it is funny though how perceptions are because uh, I remember um, I went down to Phoenix for a family vacation and you guys were playing the Coyotes and I got a press pass and I was like, I'm getting away from my family. I'm going to go watch some hockey for a bit. And uh, I think you guys ended up winning the game in shootout and you played really well. And this was still at a time where maybe the perception was you were a little guarded with the media. And I remember um, I was down in near the Canucks dressing room and I saw you run through wearing your towel singing an Elton John song and I was like you know what that uh, that doesn't really mesh with like the reputation that Roberto Luongo has as a guy that you know is a serious guy maybe takes himself too seriously I don't know what the song was it might have been like Benny and the Jets I, I can't remember exactly but I remember I saw that and I was like yeah he's actually a really fun guy behind the scenes um, yeah. did did do you I mean, you just kind of said that you did change as a person, but I'm just wondering, was it the social media account that helped you bring that side of you to show you show that to the fans? Uh, part of it was, I think, you know, uh, that really helped a lot. Uh, it was a release for me, I think, just to show who I really was. And, and, and it kind of people started seeing that more. But at the same time, I think I grew from some of the challenges I've you know, experienced over the last, the, the, that year or so before. So when you mix them both together, I kind of, um, you know, just changed my view on, on, on a lot of things. And, um, you know, when, when I first got here and, um, I, um, you know, that was something that I wasn't used to. And I was my, my biggest critic on myself, but then when I would, you know, hear from other people for some reason it was not I would be very guarded about it so um, uh, that was a mistake obviously on my part and and then I grew and I learned and and I think um, in the last two or three years when I was here um, I tried to to develop more of an open relationship with me just trying to be a bit more cordial and uh, not be so defensive all the time, and I think it, you know, it helped with, with the whole with the whole thing. We are speaking to Roberto Luongo, Hockey Hall of Fame goalie, here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we've mentioned a couple times all the things that happened during your tenure in Vancouver, and there was the two years where you were the team's captain. You had the C on your mask, so you were the captain. You accepted the role, and then you stepped down from the role. My question was always. Are you happy that that experience happened no matter how it went, or did you wish that that had never happened? It's it's one of the things I'm most proud of, to be honest with you, uh, because uh, when not, not anybody can say they've done that, right? Like, who, what other goalie can say they were captain of their team? So right. 
uh, for me, I use, I wear that as a badge of honor. Um, you can, you know, you can talk about how it went and all that kind of stuff, but I took a lot of pride in it. Um, I really, I really enjoyed those two years. And, and, and I think it's, it's not so much as I was uh, stepping down from the captaincy. I think, you know, we had a, we had a meeting at the beginning of the year and, and, and we discussed, you know, with, with Mike Gillis and LA and what was the best thing moving forward. And at that point, Hank had come into his own and I think it was, it was just the right move and it felt right. So it wasn't, uh, um, anything like so tragic. Uh, I, I think I did my two years. It was great. Uh, but uh, it comes to the point where we wanted to focus more on, you know, being a goalie and, and trying to win a cup than, than all that other stuff that surrounded being a captain in my position. So, um, I loved it. Uh, I wore like a badge of honor. I'm like, I was going to reference it tonight in my speech. Um, nice. I think it's, it was an amazing for two years. Well, now I got to ask you, what was the best part about being a captain? Was it the fact that it was just so unique? You were the only goalie doing it? Yeah, that's that's what I loved about it. Yeah. You know, nobody can say that, I, that they did what I did. You know, that's that's pretty rare. You know, like uh, so, um, you were the guy. I was the guy. Uh, you know, for um, everything, pretty much. You know, whether it's on the ice, off the ice, uh, people went to me for for things, and you know, that's a big responsibility. And and you know, I take pride in, in things like that. When you look back on your time, and I'm sure you've been doing some reminiscing about your time in Vancouver, do you think about the big you played in, and, or is it more the the day to day time that you had with your teammates? Because you you played with some pretty fun personalities yeah. as well. I mean, I think about it all. To be honest with you, it depends on which which time of day you get me at. I mean, uh, the, the, that's what's great about Twitter too. You know, like people send you stuff, and then you you look at them, and you're like, oh my god, and then you reminisce, and it brings you back, and it, it, it's amazing, you know, and um, <clears throat> great teammates. We had so much fun in that dressing room, you know, guys teasing each other, making fun, like battling it out on the ping pong table. It was, it was amazing. And then, um, you know, obviously all, all the stuff that happened on the ice as well. It was so many memories and, and um, you know, it's, it was eight years, but it went by so fast and now we kind of miss it, you know? What was it like being you before some of those big games like what 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 were you thinking about and I, I always wondered about that like the responsibility for example of being the goalie in an olympic gold medal game or the goalie <laughs> in like it's just like it it's just it you know uh, uh say for the it just it would just be a lot i imagine yeah no i was i mean uh thank god that, i always say thank god that gold medal game was at noon so i that's just woke up and came to the rink and played and I had to sit on it the whole day. You know, because that was a stressful one. But uh, for the most part, you know, you try to block that stuff out. You know, you just try to focus on, like, what makes me successful as a goalie. Like, what do I do when I play well? What are the things that I do on the ice? And I try to go through those things over my mind over and over again. And that, you know, just narrows the focus on what I need to do on the ice as opposed to all the other stuff. Like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to let a whole country down if I don't, you know, if we don't win. That's the kind of stuff you don't want to be thinking about because then it just gets overwhelming and takes away from your focus. So, you know, I went through a lot of, um, not training, but a lot of, you know, classes and and talked to a lot of people about how to, you know, deal with those kinds of things. And and I think um, in those moments, it's important to, you know, to keep your focus on, you know, what's ahead and not think about all the other stuff that can really, you know, detract you from, from performing. Uh, we're speaking to Roberto Luongo here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Roberto, we were talking about earlier your origin story. When you do a career retrospective like what tonight will be, you always go back to the very beginning. So the early days of your NHL 
career, we made note of the fact that you had to deal with two of the more um, ahem, colorful executives in NHL history, and Mike Milbury, <laughs> and then Mike yep. Keenan. How did yep. that? How did dealing with those two personalities kind of shape and formulate how the rest of your career would go? Um, I think you know it's, it's it's like a big puzzle, right? And they were just just part of it. Um, you know, I, these are these are things that that you learn from, you grow from, and I and I think you know, obviously, I was 20 years old when I, when I played uh, for Mike Milbury, but uh, um, you know, that was a, that was a shocking trade uh, after one year to, to 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 be shipped off to Florida. Uh, but you know, uh, they were trying to do their job, and, and at the time, obviously, it was it was it was upsetting. But uh, you know, when you look back and you know everybody's everybody's got their their own ways of doing things and, and and you know it all worked out for the best i mean i wouldn't be here today if all of those things didn't happen to me at the early on in my career either so um you know i i don't i don't hold any ill will to, towards anybody uh roberto we want to thank you for taking the time to do this today man this was great it's a terrific honor for you we're very happy that you get to do it enjoy everything today i know you got a lot of media responsibilities yeah. so enjoy everything other than that and uh yep. <laughs> enjoy tonight i hope the speech goes well i hope the ceremony goes well thanks guys really appreciate it, yeah, forward th- to it. thank you that's roberto luongo hockey hall of fame goalie ring of honor inductee tonight on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 yeah i always just wonder what it was like to be roberto luongo in the city during that time exciting but then if you'd ask me like would you want to be him i'm like no i'm I'm just gonna watch thanks very much and that's what the pro athletes have to take on their shoulders that's what these especially uh, at a position like a goalie that's the responsibility that you have to accept and sometimes it ends with glory and sometimes it ends with the opposite of glory uh, I thought the bit about the captaincy was really interesting because I had always wondered if he considered that a good thing, a bad thing, or maybe it wasn't that black and white and that polarizing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think we look back on it and just, and part of this maybe how the Halford and Bruff touch, the negativity of it is that it was a distraction and your goalie can't be a captain in the National Hockey I League. I think their problem at the time was that they looked around and they didn't see anyone else that was ready for the role. That's and fair. they asked themselves, who is the leader of our team right now? And the answer was R- Roberto Luongo. That's a good so, point. Because- so that, that's the decision they made. And maybe looking back, it, it was... The right decision to have it for a couple of years, but he like he considers it a, a key part of his career. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. I would have mm-hmm. thought because it was short. It was only two years. He played almost like fifteen, sixteen in the NHL. Like the fact that that maybe it was just the necessary step that they had to take before well, they named Henrik captain. It's funny because back in the day, you nobody went without a captain. It's more commonplace now. The youths and these these children out here seeing you know, a third of the league going without a captain. You couldn't do that back in the day. You were a rudderless ship if you didn't have somebody wearing the mm-hmm. sea. Everybody had a captain. If you didn't, it was a big problem. So I do wonder if it was a sort of, well, we have an idea who the next guy might be, but we're not ready to give it to him yet. So in the interim, why not try the goalie? He's our best player. I think sometimes people forget just how much those Vancouver Canucks teams, when Luongo came, it was all about Luongo. Like, I can't even imagine the conversations we'd be having about, you know, the analytics of the Canucks in that first year. If the, if we were, you know, talking analytics back in 2007, Luongo was the team. Mm-hmm. Like, he had to be really good. He was the reason that they made the playoffs that year, uh-huh. right? He was the guy. So and, t- then, and then it was on the management to, 
improve the team. And, you know, say what you will about Mike Gillis's time. Like, he improved the team. He mm-hmm. made upgrades to the team. He brought in guys like, you know, Michael Samuelson and Christian Erhoff and, and Dan Hamhuse. He made, he made the team better. And that was the challenge because before then it was like, yeah, we're Luongo basically. That's the strength of our team. So a Tanbeer question and a good one, very appropriate given the conversation that we're having. Tanbeer wants to know, how come we don't put the same amount of pressure on Demko that we did on Luongo as the goalie, the Vancouver Canucks? I feel we protect him a lot more when he plays bad. Tanbeer, I think the Roberto Luongo experience in Vancouver, if nothing else, might be a learning slash cautionary tale for everybody involved. That's kind of the point of the whole thing. When we look back on Luongo's tenure in Vancouver, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. He talked about how much he learned and how much he changed based on his experiences in Vancouver. I don't think that the way that the entire saga played out is a rosy, colorful story at the end of it. It's complex and it's convoluted and it's not great, but there's learning lessons Mm -hmm. along the way. Maybe putting the insane amount of pressure that you put on one individual in a high-pressure position isn't the way to go about it. Maybe you should insulate your goalies more. Also, and I've talked about this a couple times today, Luongo came in as the solution to a goalie graveyard. He was going to change the narrative and change Mm -hmm. the course of a a franchise in a city where all the goalies had bad times. Remember when Bruce Gallup was going to do that in Philadelphia? Right. How did that work out? Here's the interesting thing. What has been one of the hallmarks of Vancouver Canucks goaltending since Luongo? It's been really, really good. We, you talk about this all the time. We've been very lucky in Vancouver. From Luongo, to Ian for the most part. Luongo yeah. sure, whatever the case, but from Luongo to Markstrom to Miller to whomever else, and now to Demko, we've had really good goaltending in this city mm-hmm. to the point where people don't remember the youths. Don't remember the fact that this play used to be bad goalie after bad goalie after bad goalie. Think of a place like Edmonton. Right? So I think that there's a lot that's changed. And I think that there's a lot that you can apply to the way that Luongo handled himself. And quite frankly, the way that we handled Luongo. Got to be a better way to say that. Um, But you learn from those things. And you, as an organization, and I think we've also... As, as a society and as a league have changed perceptions a lot about goaltending, right? Like yeah. it's no longer the man and the guy. It's about keeping him fresh for the playoffs and having a good tandem and, you know, working on a lot of different things that quite frankly weren't at the forefront of the conversation when Luongo was starring for the Canucks. Uh, so what do you expect his speech to be like tonight? Well, apparently he's going to reference the captaincy. Mm. So there's a the thing. Super you, dry, no humor. Yeah. Do you, how much humor do you think he's going to bring into it? Quite a bit, right? Some, Gotta be. Yeah, he'll joke about Daniel Henrik and and Biaxa and everything else. But Again, uh, do you think there's going to be any reference, even if it's the most subtle reference to him going into the Ring of Honor and not having his number retired? So I did... You uh, said no before. I did a segment with City News yesterday, Mm -hmm. because this is one of those things. You always know it's an important Canuck story when the normies decide that they want four minutes of content. And they were asking about that particular facet of the whole dynamic like yeah. do you think someone's going to reference not getting his jersey retired tomorrow well do you think you, you know, i mean i think the media is going to reference it when he has his uh um 
he has uh, an availability coming up Someone in will an want hour to do and a half. Someone right? will want to do it. Look, yeah. we made it. Someone com- will ask the question. He'll probably throw a reference to Kirk McLean and how they both wore one. I, I feel like there'd be something. And look, if you want to slam our from. interview style for not asking that question, go ahead. I could care less. But do it, right? Text in 650, 650, whatever. But it, my, my thoughts on this are pretty clear. I don't really have much gray area on this. Um, he deserves... Uh, an honor, not the ring of honor, but an honor. And they're honoring his career tonight. It's unfortunate that the sort of like unintended circumstances of having two levels of honor and he gets caught in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Luongo was a great Canuck and he had a great career and the franchise did a nice thing by trying to create the ring of honor. This just happened. We wanted to ask him what tonight means to him. And he said tonight means a lot to him. Right. So I don't need, I don't need to, you know, and it's his night. Yeah, it's his I don't night. really want to sell you it, and I could care less if you think that we're asking softball questions, right? Bite me. I don't care. The point being is that this was supposed to be about the guy and what he's done and what he's accomplished and what he mean to the city and what the city and the market mean to him. Don't you think that was interesting when he said, like, I 1,000% changed as a person? As I, like, that was him during his time in Vancouver, and he's admitting it. So this isn't some false narrative that we're throwing out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to put it in a brief, um, like, he got humbled. He got humbled. Yeah, he by, said he wasn't ready for it. He got humbled by life. He got humbled by expectations. And at first he admitted, like, he didn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you're a young player that's only played in, you know, the Islanders for a bit. And it takes Florida, a lot to admit that. Too. And then you come to Vancouver and you're all of a sudden supposed to be the star of the team. And you are, but you're not perfect. And you're still going to have some downtimes. Right, yep. those three straight Chicago series were all very tough on him. Mm-hmm. You know, the first two, you know, the first series was against Chicago. Was I think that was the first time we all we we we, we kind of lost our one hundred percent confidence in him. Right, it was like, whoa, wait a minute, these guys are really lighting him up. Yep, there was. And a then the second Chicago series, it happened again. And then the third, even though the Canucks won it at the end of the day, there was that vulnerability there. So he had to deal with that. And he was a very confident guy, or at least, you know, on the outside, he was very confident. He was like, I'm the best goalie in the world. But then you get lit up a few times, and then you have to face the music afterwards. That gets you humbled. And it's hard to deal with that because you actually have to accept, like, wow, like, maybe I didn't play my best, or maybe there are some things I can do do better. And how he learned to deal with that, I think, was really interesting. He stopped taking himself so seriously. Um, it's a hard pivot now to give away tickets to wrestling, but we got to do it because we're right up against it for time. A dog, you there? Do we have the winner of the WWE tickets? So we're giving away tickets every day this week, pair tickets to go see WWE's Friday night Smackdown on January 5th at Rogers arena. The winner is the winner is B Warren and Coquitlam. Uh, my son would love to go to fright night. Da- People still plan up on that. I love it. Uh, dad is tapped out. Ticket emoji. Flex emoji. What I've learned is all the money I've saved up to buy an eight-game pack for me and my son to catch some Canucks games this year was a great idea for father and son time. But what would really make his holiday season is if I brought him I bought him SmackDown tickets. I've learned I am broke and need the three greatest Vancouver sports broadcasters to help, three. Me, three. help bring joy to my whoa, son whoa, whoa. and myself. Three. Which, who's being left out? And let's just not assume it's one of the dogs because it could be Brock <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, it could be any one of us, right? Thank you to Mike, Laddie, and A Dog. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> no further thank yous required. Signed, B Warren. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.